0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Texas
1: Ag Today. My name's Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: Pork exports are setting a record this year. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
3: Striving to keep farm children safe before, during, and after the pandemic. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
4: As we approach the holiday season, don't forget gifts for the gardener. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about horticultural gifts.
1: We'll have those stories, the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Dommel with news headlines.
2: Broad gains in U.S. pork exports in October solidified 2020's record pace, according to the U.S. Meat Export Federation. October pork exports were up 8% year-over-year to 242,536 metric tons. That's up 8% in terms of value to $641 million. USMEF reports shipments of U.S. pork to Central and South America were the largest since March in October. Exports to Mexico, Japan, China, Canada, and the Philippines were substantially higher than a year ago. From January to October, more than 2 million metric tons of U.S. pork muscle cuts were sold globally. That's up 20%. The December World Agriculture Supply and Demand Estimates report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture shows a continued lowering of soybean ending stocks in the current marketing year. Mac Marshall, vice president of market intelligence for the United Soybean Board, says projected soybean stocks will be at their lowest in seven years.
1: We had a string of downward revisions over the past couple months. Going into this report, we're looking at carry out of 190 million bushels with the incremental crush demand here that's taken down by another 15 to uh, projected ending stocks of 175 million bushels. That's the tightest we've seen since the 13-14 marketing year.
2: USDA projects the season-ending soybean price will rise 15 cents to 10.55 a bushel. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Jessica Domel. Wheat
1: prices have taken a nice jump here at the end of the year, despite the big market swings we've seen over the last couple of weeks. The wheat industry suffered along with everyone else in production agriculture this year because of COVID-19. Michigan wheat grower David Milligan is president of the National Association of Wheat Growers. He says getting wheat qualified for payments under the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program was one of the biggest accomplishments of the year.
5: It was quite an effort put together to uh, provide some information to the USDA about the problems and the, the needs that we have in wheat country. And and we were helped by the our staff in Washington, D.C. and our friends at U.S. Wheat and several state organizations, and a couple letters that uh, went to the Secretary of Agriculture from both the House side and the Senate side. And In September, when the second round of COVID came out, we got all classes of wheat covered, and that was a a big help to our growers.
1: Milligan says the recent increase in wheat exports has given a big boost to the wheat industry here at the end of a very rough year.
5: It's maybe a little too early to say, but it looks like maybe we've Maybe turn the corner. Maybe we've, we've kind of seen the bottom of this thing. And maybe we maybe looks like maybe we're headed in the right direction, both supply-wise and price-wise. And so hopefully better times are ahead, right?
1: Milligan adds that recent trade agreements like the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement and the phase one trade deal with China have opened markets for U.S. wheat. And farmers are now seeing the benefits of those agreements in the form of higher wheat prices. Keeping kids safe on the farm is a year-round priority. Tom Nicoletti has more with Scott Heiberger of the National Farm Medicine Center.
3: Now, the National Farm Medicine Center has uh, certainly been involved in the business of uh, protecting children's uh, safety on farms and ranches well before uh, COVID-19. But certainly uh, this year, this period, uh, when schools, child care centers uh, Uh, Youth sports activities uh, have either been closed or canceled, delayed, and uh, the children are at home more on the farms and ranches uh, makes it uh, that much more challenging for the parents, uh, the farmers, the ranchers, the farm wives, and uh, the, the mother and father to keep these kids safe.
6: It is such an extreme situation and families are spread so thin. We wish we could do more in the short term. It it is very tough because, you know, we're in the middle of that. We hear all the stories. And it's interesting because all these projects, you know, we had stuff in the works before COVID and things that are important to the farm communities that it's going to be important after COVID as well. But like I say, in the meantime, we've got to also deal with the immediate short-term stuff and and hopefully try to connect people with health insurance, hopefully try to uh, help farm families almost be cheerleaders for parents. We know that childcare is an issue. We know that supervision, you know, here we are saying, hey, supervision is the most important thing you can do as a parent to make sure your kids grow up safe and easy for us to say, right? We have these resources if if with kids home more, it is an opportunity for them to help out more, uh, especially during the peak, you know, spring and fall seasons. Um, and we do have uh, posters and guidelines and videos and things that can help the parent assign the, the appropriate job to, to um, a child based on you know his or her age and, and developmental ability and stuff like that. Uh, so we're just trying to be very supportive during this time in the short term and in the long term we're we're doing projects and collecting data that'll help us advocate and others, you know, farm groups advocate, uh, maybe at a more policy level, legislative level, maybe we can get some more help uh, as far as rural child care, you know, have more of a plan for that. Because if we're asking this farm population to, you know, feed the world, it would be nice if we could also help them out and, and maybe give some real solutions as far as child care.
3: What's that website that folks can go to to get all this information?
6: There's two I would recommend. I would uh, suggest Googling National Farm Medicine Center. And if you get to the National Farm Medicine Center page, you have the various drop downs and you can find the Children's Center. And we have a lot of this stuff just out on that homepage. And the other real handy website, I would say, that pulls all of our safety resources together and would be of, of real interest, I think, to farm parents and anybody who supervises children and teenagers is a site called Cultivate Safety CultivateSafety.org. It's set up kind of like Amazon. You go in, you type in a keyword, a particular job, and then all the resources we have and will pop up that are relevant to that particular job. And it's a combination of uh, short videos and fact sheets and checklists and posters that you can uh, go through and, and um, can help you out with various types of uh, activities, agritourism, all kinds of stuff.
3: Those comments from Scott Heiberger. He is communications manager with the National Farm Medicine Center. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's the time of year for gift
1: giving. So what can you get your favorite gardener? Horticulturalist John Begno has some suggestions from San Angelo.
4: Well, before you buy all your presents for family and friends and so forth, you might want to consider those that are gardeners might need special presents. Those that really, truly love gardening enjoy that. Like the latest, newest gadget, but they also like tools that work. Remember that. They have worn out tools. Could be something as simple as a weed eater or a blower, something more in tune like pruning shears. One of the best pruning shears out there, by the way, is one made by a Swiss company called Felco, F E L C O. And they're really lifelong shears. So they work really good. Just a little tip there. Also, for those that uh, maybe have a new home or a landscape readjustment, consider trees. New trees can be planted at this time of the year and in through the spring. So it's a good idea to give something like that because it will keep on giving for the rest of their lives and for the next lives and generations to come. And also, points that is for people who are shut in are always excellent gifts. People love to look at them. They love to take care of them. They love to keep them alive through January and February. So don't forget those. Those are out and about everywhere. And for those people that you don't know exactly what to get, gift certificates. And we know the box stores always have nice plants and tools and things like that, especially in the spring. But gift certificates to special online horticultural stores are a great idea also. So think about that before you get all of your gifts purchased. This is John Begner reporting from San Angelo.
1: Near-record production in three major wheat-growing nations is expected to boost already record global wheat supplies. Rod Bain reports from Washington. Another increase in world wheat supplies per USDA's December Global
3: Supply and Demand Estimates. We increase world wheat production again by about 1.3 million tons and that would put global production at a new record.
1: World Agricultural Outlook Board Chair Mark Jekinowski says contributors to the rise in wheat supplies
3: worldwide include a big rebound in production out of Australia. They've suffered through several years of pretty severe drought. We increased our Australia wheat production forecast by one and a half million tons for this year's crop. That would be their second largest crop on record and also. Also worth noting that
7: if that is achieved,
3: then Australia would also join Russia and Canada, as all three of those countries are looking at their second largest crops on record.
1: Despite more world wheat production forecasted, increases in both demand and exports reduced global ending stocks almost 4 million tons from the previous month. A broadband reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C.
2: What do the most successful duck hunters in Texas have in common? I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today.
1: And now that cold weather is here, many people are blanketing their horses, but that can have some unwanted side effects. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has a closer look at that issue coming up next, right here on Texas Ag
6: Today.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture, on Texas Ag Today. Now that cold
1: weather is here, many people in Texas are blanketing their horses. However, that can have some unwanted side effects. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd
7: has more. Blanketing is very controversial, especially in Texas. As in most of Texas, our winters are not really that cold. And blanketing can have some unwanted side effects such as skin disease or overheating in some horses. A recent study performed in Wisconsin by Dr. Michelle DeBeer found that blanketed horses ate 8% less free choice hay than non-blanketed horses and yet maintained normal body condition. The horse publication reported that the researchers blanketed eight adult horses in a dry outdoor paddock in Wisconsin from December to January, while they did not blanket eight other horses in an adjacent paddock. Each group of horses had identical free-choice hay, and the researchers found that the horses weight and body condition remained the same, but the horses without blankets ate less than horses with blankets, and the difference was about two pounds of hay per day. So horses voluntarily reduce hay intake when blanketed, but this does not cause weight loss as the horses use less energy to keep warm and could even gain weight. Blankets can hide body condition, So you want to make sure the horse is not gaining or losing weight under the blanket. This study shows you could save a little money on hay, but would likely be offset by buying and maintaining a blanket. In general, in Texas, I believe a blanket is not needed unless on certain days the temperature is freezing or lower or we have freezing rain. Then when the weather warms up, get the blanket off and allow the horses to get acclimated to the outside temperature. Realize this study was performed in Wisconsin, and eight of these horses lived all winter without blankets with no health issues. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: With duck season now underway, Jessica Dommel takes a look at this year's Texas duck hunting regulations in today's wildlife report.
2: Yesterday, we told you that drought is impacting duck populations and hunting in the Panhandle and along the Gulf Coast of Texas. Today, we're once again joined by Kevin Cry, Waterfowl Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, to discuss this year's duck hunting regulations. Cry tells us the bag limit is the same across Texas.
6: It is a six-bird bag limit with five drake mallards and only two uh, hen mallards. Unfortunately, right now, we're in a bag limit restriction on stop and pintails of just one. Additionally, just one model duck, which typically is just along the Texas coast. You're allowed to shoot three wood ducks, and for the most part, the rest are six. So things like green-winged teal, blue-winged teal, shovelers, catwall, widget, you're allowed to shoot six a day.
2: Hunters are likely to encounter scop and pintails. They're encouraged to be mindful of the reduced bag limit. You can only take one pintail and one scop daily. The possession limit is three. The bag limit for merganser is five, the limit on coot is 15, and the bag limit for falconry, when that season opens, is three. Cry said the most successful hunters spend a lot of time scouting in the blind and watching the weather.
6: On the heels of cold fronts or rain events are definitely when ducks move around the most, and that's when new ducks arrive.
2: Duck hunters must have a valid Texas hunting license, a migratory game bird stamp endorsement, and have a valid federal duck stamp. HIP certification is also required of duck hunters ages 16 or older. Duck hunters are encouraged to check out the Outdoor Annual before heading out. You can find it at OutdoorAnnual.com and on the app. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I am Jessica Duhlmull.
1: The cattle market traded both sides of the market on Tuesday. We ended up closing lower in live cattle, higher in feeder cattle. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact... Bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Tuesday was
1: another mixed day for the cattle market. We saw contracts trade on both sides. However, as we neared the close, things kind of settled out with the live cattle moving mostly lower, feeder cattle closing higher. Here's how we closed out the day. December live cattle down 50 cents, 108.60. February down 22 at 112.87. April live cattle down 25, 117.12. January feeder cattle up 7, 140.10. March feeders up 30, 140.90. The April up 32 cents at 142.17. Cash-fed cattle market quiet on Tuesday. No sales to report. The show lists are lower this week. The Packers don't seem very interested here in the first half of the week. The feedlot's right now asking 110 here in Texas. No bids from the Packers reported. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. We go to Live Oak Livestock Auction, Three Rivers, Texas. They sold 1,561 head this week. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers 126 one twenty-six to a dollar seventy-two, three to four weight steers a dollar twenty-two to a dollar four to five hundred pounders a dollar eighteen to a dollar fifty-eight, five to six hundred pound steers a dollar ten to a dollar fifty-two, six to seven weights a dollar eight to a dollar thirty-six. 7 to 8 weight steers, 92 cents to $1.26 a pound. Slaughter cows range from 18 to 52 cents. Slaughter bulls, 60 to 78. Stocker cows, 550 to 1125 a head. Cow calf pair, 750 to 1200 a pair. Nixon Livestock Commission, Nixon, Texas, 1,180 head. The trend steady to lower. Two to three weight steers, a dollar twenty-one to a dollar ninety-five a pound. Three to four weight steers, a dollar forty to a dollar ninety-five. Four to five weights, a dollar twenty-seven to a dollar eighty-eight. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar thirteen to a dollar sixty-three. Six to seven weight steers, a dollar six to a dollar twenty-six, and the heavy seven to eight weights. Brought a dollar to a dollar 24 a pound. Slaughter cows 15 to 56 cents. Slaughter bulls 68 to 79. Stocker cows 400 to 850 a head. Cow calf pairs 760 to 1225 a pair. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs closed higher. February hogs up 77 cents, 66.45. April up 75 at 69.57. Class 3 milk mixed, January milk up 26 cents, 1636 100 weight. The buying continues in the cotton market. A lot of follow through buying from those bullish reports we had last week. The export sales report looked very good for cotton exports, and the supply and demand report slashed ending stocks, both of those helping to support prices well into this week. Also, optimism in the market because of the COVID 19 vaccines. Out and around the country now, vaccinations getting underway. That helped to put some bullish support into the cotton market. March cotton up 92 points, 75.59. May cotton up 83, 76.34. December 21 cotton up 37 points, 73.27. The wheat market closed higher, a weaker dollar, helping to support wheat exports, and that's helping to support prices on both hard and soft wheat. March Kansas City wheat up three and three quarters, 566. New crop July up 3 cents, 571. And a half. March Chicago wheat up three and a quarter, 5.99 and 3 quarters. July soft wheat up two cents at 5.96. And a half. Corn closed fractionally higher. New crop September corn up a quarter penny, 413 and a half. December corn up a half at 412 and a quarter. In the energy markets, natural gas lower, January down a penny, 267. January crude oil up 59 cents, 49.58 a barrel. The financial markets higher on Tuesday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 325 points, 30,177. The NASDAQ up 135 at 12,595. The SP 500 up 42 points, 3,690. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Carrie Martin, and this is Texas Ag
0: Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify.